You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. On February 22nd, 2024, there was a North Carolina Marine Fisheries Commission meeting and false albacore were on the agenda. The item for discussion was guard rail management for albies. There were three options, essentially do nothing, monitor the situation, or the third was take action. If landings exceed 200% of a five-year average, an action would be taken. That action would include a 3,500-pound trip limit for commercial vessels and a 10-fish-per-person limit for recreational vessels, max of 30 per vessel. The vote was close, but option three, taking action, passed. For the very first time, false albacore finally have some level of state management. This is big news for the fishery along the East Coast going forward. A special shout out to Commissioner Roller, who made the motion, seconded by Commissioner McNeil, and to the other commissioners who voted in favor of this ruling. This podcast includes a couple minutes of commentary and the audio pulled from the discussion and the final vote at this meeting. We hope you enjoy Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Guidepost. As you may have heard, you know, big congrats to uh, everyone involved, but we got some precautionary state management for false albacore in North Carolina. Uh, Really happy to have Cody joining me here today. He was just listening to the audio from the meeting. What did you, uh, what did you think about that, Cody? Well, there's there's kind of a couple things. There's, you take away some, uh, concerns and some kind of shocking commentary that went down in the debate process around the ruling. But in the end, the final vote, I think, stands as uh, something really special looking at a change in traditional views of fisheries management and where we're going with things, hopefully. And so it was awesome to see precautionary management win and a decision that protects the future before things get bad. And so, you know, it's kind of the, it's one of those positive things to celebrate while recognizing like, wow, we still got a, a little bit of go to go and some more traditional mindsets that we need to get away from. Well, I think one of the weirdest things, you know, just, just listening to some of, uh, some of the counter arguments, you know, you, you, we've been doing these meetings long enough where you have kind of almost know what people are going to say, but Every once in a while, you kind of get Delta a wild card. And it's it's crazy. The thing, One of the things that jumped out at me the most, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because you just finished listening to this, why is being a leader in something in conservation, why is that the same thing as a guinea pig? Or am I missing something? Because that was, that was part of all this. Yeah, that was a pretty concerning call out. Tom Roller, you know, big shout out to Tom and everything he did. In, you'll hear it in this conversation. I think he was a leader, not only for this fishery, but for fisheries management mindset in general going forward. And being the first state to do something isn't a negative. And it was tried to be, they tried to paint it that way. There was someone who in particular tried to paint it that way and called North Carolina being a guinea pig for actions like this. And that's really concerning, right? Because it kind of scare states and decision makers from 
any sort of progress. Like, why would you be the first to do something, whether or not it's the right thing to do? Being the first person to do it just makes you the guinea pig. Put a negative tone. I'll, I'll- Cody, I got to tell you, you're, you're sitting here talking and you reminded me of another thing because I, I was at the computer and I, I was I was like shaking my hands at the sky because you can't say trust the science when there isn't any science. We're, we're the biggest proponents of trust the science in the world. But the reason why we have sponsored these very expensive projects is because there wasn't any science. It wasn't for good PR. It's let me tell you, as the person who has to look at the Excel sheet and schedule all the trips, no fun. And we heard that a lot. We heard, we heard, I believe in science and the science is just telling us that there, you know, things are going well and there's no decision to be made here. There is no science for this fishery, almost none. We're one of the groups that we're working with the New England Aquarium and all of our great brand sponsors leading the science on this fishery. So there was a call for why don't we come back to this when the science exists? And rightfully so, you'll hear some great uh, opposition to that, which is by the time we get to a point where we need the science, the science still won't be there. And you'll be in a multi-year decision-making circuit while the fishery is in a bad place. So making that action while the fishery is in a good place and also hearing too, uh, found it really interesting when Commissioner Gardner said, you know, I have everything to lose with this fishery, but, you know, I trust the science for the future of this. And so, okay, so for your fishery, you trust the science, which is zero science, and you trust the management, which is no management. That was a really interesting call. She said, this doesn't feel like guardrails. It feels like management. Well, the rule that was just enacted or approved, but not enacted yet, essentially means zero management until something goes really wrong. So her idea of management is apparently zero management. And that's really concerning going forward, too. I think, Cody, I think uh, one of the real important things, if if people are going to listen to it's only like 20 minutes of commentary, what you're going to see and hear, well, what you're going to hear is uh, a back and forth between, you know, somebody who believes in something and, and somebody who believes in another. And um, when you when you're listening to it, just listen to who's kind of more prepared. Uh, clearly put their time in before the meeting. Um, and I don't know, you make up your mind. We think this is a great learning experience. It's not one of like one of those two and a half hour long striped bass hearings. Dialogue was, you know, pretty concise. Uh, and we think you all get something out of it. So listen. Take a listen. If you have any comments, let us know. Uh, You can comment on social media when when we put all this stuff up. Uh, You can send comments at comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. We appreciate your time and let us know what you think about this. If not, the chair will entertain a motion on which management option we want to vote on. Commissioner Roller. Um, I move that we um, adopt uh, option three and begin rulemaking. Okay, is there a second? I'll second that. Second, Commissioner McNeil. Discussion? Commissioner Bland. I I can't agree with with putting management measures in place 
wouldn't for no really there's not been a true reason to do it you know and and so the public perception right now is that they're having so much taken away from them they're going it's going to be the same thing they're going to perceive it as something being taken away and so is it really necessary to just you know put this in place and then just be what it be or is it necessary to just keep a t- just keep looking at stuff and just make sure that everything's going to stay the same and if it if it fails to do that it, we can always come back and 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 approach this in a different way there's also recruitment up and down the coast you know we could put measures in and we could hit that target and we could enact management measures but what are they doing up and down the coast and, and so we don't know. And it's no different than Flounder right now. We have took the maximum brunt, and then all of a sudden, everybody else says, well, well North Carolina's going to cover the majority of the reductions. We're going to enjoy all that. And it kind of sucks. And so that's my perception of this right here, is that the public, the fishing public, is going to view this as just another way, another species that, they're being, that we're cramping down on. And... I just don't see the reason why. And so that's 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 just where I'm at, and I, I just can't get behind option three. Commissioner Rollo. Thank you, Commissioner Blanton. You know, I'm going to have to disagree with you. We heard from the public on this one. We had extensive submitted public comments, went over 250 from up and down the coast. Um, we had more than, well, approximately half of our in-person public comments specifically mentioned this. We had some excellent public comment in regard to this. People understand what this is doing, right? And I, there's there's been a lot of discussion about this in general because, you know, when I first brought this to the commission as a seated commissioner, I did so as a result of more than 15 years of work as an engaged stakeholder, advisory panel member, and a council member. And I heard from people in this room telling me that this initiative was just something I was pushing. Uh, but I told many of you that this would not be the case once we got it out in front of the public. And I think our public comment really improved, it really proves that. Um, and while I know people here are new to fisheries management, but I have seen firsthand what happens when you bring this to the public and ask people, and when you say, hey, let's do something proactive. We talk about, hey, let's monitor it. The Mid-Atlantic Council's monitoring it. The South Atlantic Council's monitoring it. Everybody's monitoring it. We're stuck in this world of bureaucratic stagnation where no one wants to, no one has the funds, no one wants to allocate the funds to further study and get towards a stock assessment. We're told, hey, let's just wait until that happens. You currently have private industry groups funding stock assessment level science because they see the economic value in this fishery. So I don't view that as a viable option. And what's important to note is this doesn't take away anything from anybody. This is proposing really high-level, proactive management if this fishery expands faster than we can get behind it. If we don't act now, it's going to be more, what, a year and a half, two years before rule even takes place? If we have a fishery that starts to develop, we're going to be two years behind it. You know, one of the big things that keeps coming up is we have a lot of changes right now due to climate as well as the economy. You know, NIMS is pushing open, open, ocean, open, open ocean aquaculture pretty extensively in this country now domestically. And there's a huge demand for aquaculture feed. I mean, we see what's going on with bait prices, right? 
the blue crab fishery needs bait. The New England lobster fishery needs bait. What's going to happen when a lot of this is going to go to fish meal? This is a, a oily omega-3 rich fish that is available in pretty abundant numbers. One of the other things this rule does is it really protects our current fishermen, not just the recreational for hire fishermen, which have a huge economic dependence on this fishery, but also the smaller scale commercial fishermen that currently depend on this fishery. You know, if you look at this, it's a hook and line in gillnet fishery. Um, only 1% of current trips land more than 1,000 pounds. I mean, I'd hate to see the, the trawler fleet figure out a way to catch them and take that fishery away from, the, away from these small-scale fishermen like it has other fisheries. So, And while I understand this, one of the, while I understand some of the debate, you know, that, oh, people think that this is going to take something away from people, I can't help but interpret a lot of those comments as some people just want to leave the door open for a larger fishery in the future. The whole idea behind this is that let's just have some stopgap measures for a valuable and abundant fishery now until we have that better science. And quite frankly, I don't think we can afford to wait any longer. Other questions or comments? Oh, Commissioner Gardner. Chairman Bissell, when I first got on the commission, before I even took my first vote, you sat me down and said, there are two things that you always have to keep in mind when you're, when you're on the commission. Number one, no personal agendas. And number two, trust the science. For those reasons alone, I don't feel comfortable with, with option three. The, the third reason is I think that this sets a precedent about how we're managing fisheries. When somebody has a passion project and they have the ability to, to work this system very well, that fishery gets fast-tracked, while the rest, of the, the rest of the fish that we're working with have to go through an MFP. And so I, I feel like this could potentially set a dangerous precedent about how we deal with other issues. Um, and I also think, and I, and I think that that is an unintended consequence that we really have to t speak to. And I also feel like I don't think that there was as much transparency in this as there should have been. And, and I, I have a problem with that. And the most important thing, I, the, the biggest aspect of the amendment or option three that really makes me concerned is this becomes a management. This, this looks more like management to me than, it, than, it, than guardrails. And I have, that concerns me. And, I also know that one of the user groups, the commercial group, was not consulted at all on this. And I feel like they're going to possibly bear the brunt of this and, and without having any input here. And I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that at all. And I also think, too, that there may be an unintended consequence with, with that, too, in that we've taken a vote. We feel good. We've done something. But we're going to have to take more votes on this. We're going to have to come up with a budget to figure this out. And, and I, this is a fish that is not overfished, and fishing isn't occurring. And I think that I just think that we need to really look a little bit closer at option two. It does say that we're looking. I think that I personally feel that this fishery right now is robust enough that if we do have to go back and and work on this fish that we have that it's robust enough that we have a couple years to actually 
um, come up with a, a management plan for this, a, a legitimate one. I'm concerned that by, by taking this step, we're making it look like we're doing something that we're not um, with option three. And, and I, 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 what I would be concerned about too is that, that when this, this is potentially going to other councils and, and I, I feel like we shouldn't be, I don't, I feel like we're being a guinea pig here and, and I don't feel good about that. And I feel like everybody, every user group really needs to be um, consulted on this. And I, I would be more in favor of option two. I think it puts guardrails on this fishery and, and, and doesn't create right out of the gate, you've disenfranchised a group. And I would, I really strongly feel like um, it's not the way to start this, especially on a fish that's in good shape. We have a lot of work to do. We have, we have had to make some really heavy duty decisions today that have kept me from sleeping for a long time. And I can't, I, nobody has more at stake if I lose my Albi fishery, but I do trust in the fact that it's in good shape now and that we can react should there be a situation. In, in I think management to the second option will cover that. And with that said too, I'd like to thank Tom. I think he's done a great job of getting people out here um, to talk about this. And I think that it has had one really good positive consequences that is brought to the attention of, of the commission, the fact that we are having some, some issues um, with, um, with our aquaculture in the southern part of the state. Most of the people that came and talked about false albacore talked about um, oyster leases down there, the, the, the interaction. And I think that that's a good outcome. No matter what happens with this, I think that no matter what happens, whatever gets adopted here, I think that that is a very positive, unattended consequence of having the people that you had come and engage. And, and um, I think that's good. I don't believe in three, but I think that that's good. Commissioner Roller. So first of all, I have some objections to those comments. First of all, it's a little bit of a low blow there. Passion project? Can't say I agree with that. I take this project as a serious and engaged commission, commissioner, council member, someone who spent more than 10 to 15 years on advisory panels, who spent a lot of years coming to these meetings, right? Option two, that's not a guardrail. That's status quo. Everybody else is doing that. So when you say this doesn't look like guardrails, it looks like management. Then what is guardrails supposed to be? Nothing? This doesn't do anything except give this commission and the director the possibility to do something if this fishery is to grow. It may not grow. It may get smaller. You say they're robust now. There's no science to say that except maybe looking down at the end of your rod or at your catches at the end of the year. Maybe it's robust today. Maybe it won't be next year. I make this motion and I stand behind it. It is not a passion project. I stand behind it because I'm on the right side of history. If you choose to vote against this, and not you, Commissioner Gardner, this commission, you are not on the right side of history. Because you said we're being a guinea pig, 
we're not being a guinea pig. We are being a leader. We're the second biggest player in this fishery on the East Coast, second to Florida. Florida has been very difficult to deal with. They don't view this fishery as important. They view it as kind of a trash fish, and they have a giant exploding bait fishery down there, which is relatively unregulated. And I've spoke, I've got this whole lineup of the whole history of the management, which was also in the white paper. I'd be happy to read down my entire experience with this. But I've said on the record multiple times, we are here because every other avenue has failed. We've taken it to two councils. We've taken it to this commission before. We've taken it to the South Atlantic twice. We investigated whether HMS could do it. At every angle, we are met with bureaucratic stagnation and indifference. You have a huge, this is, you know, people, I heard uh, public comments say it's a small fishery, or I read it in the public comments. There are millions of pounds of these fish landed. Not tens of thousands, millions. It's a huge fishery. How many huge fisheries exist nowadays that don't have any regulations whatsoever? Not very many. So you cannot support this, but it takes some guts to be on the wrong side of history. Okay, anything. Commissioner Bland. Um, I'm just looking at figure three. I mean, we have, the state of North Carolina ain't never landed a million pounds of these rigs with recreational and commercial combined. Matter of fact, in 2020, it just was 800,000 pounds. And what was 2020? COVID. Everybody and their mama went fishing. I'm just telling you. The next year, the very next year, Landon's tank, boom, gone. The folks left the, the beach and went back to work. And so it was the lowest of the 10 years right here in 2021, the year after 2020. So what I can't understand is that I hear, oh, there's millions of pounds. But when I look at the data, we, the state of North Carolina ain't never landed a million pounds. Okay? So and another thing, this fish swims all the way around the Atlantic Basin. It is found a long, long ways. And so a pinprick on the map off the state of North Carolina is a worry when this fish is big and robust and it's all over the ocean. I just can't understand what it is we're sitting here arguing about. Why are we taking this time to worry with this when the federal government, two councils of the federal government has said, we, we just don't see the concern. Atlantic States, we just, we just not gonna take this on. That's who should take it on, probably, because that's what's that's the state waters that's being used. Nobody's the fish are right there on the shore. Y'all are not leaving the shore. Y'all aren't going over five miles or three miles. So here's the thing: if Atlanta states won't take it up, the federal government won't take it up, and their other state is going to take it up individually, why are we? I just can't understand it. It's public perception. So if something needs to be done, fine. Bring bring us the science. We're, we're supposed to be making uh, 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 decisions off based off the best available science. And and what we're being told by fisheries uh, staff and, and and those biologists that are working these projects is we're just not seeing the concern at the moment. But we'll be glad to monitor just a little bit more for you, Commissioner Rollo. So first of all, there's a lot of errors in your statements there, Commissioner Blanton. When I was referring to millions of pounds, I was referring to coastwide landings. Uh, 
which are much more considerable. Just to be clear, you may not have misunderstood, you may not have understood me in that. Second of all, I was there for a lot of these discussions at the councils. And what was really interesting is I heard your comments a lot, and I heard comments like we hear from the paid NCFA employees, which are from industry members who for some reason just don't want to have any sort of regulations on this fishery. There was a lot of support from other stakeholder groups, a ton, just not quite enough to get it over the threshold. And in addition to that, one of the things that we deal here at this commission isn't just personnel issues, it's funding issues. We can't even keep stock assessment staff here. We can't even get enough trained people in the field. And then we're saying, oh, let us wait till we get a stock assessment. We can barely assess our current important fisheries. I think that's just simply an excuse just to not make any action right now. I would also like to add, the ASMSC did not say they wouldn't do it. They started a work group. Some of the problems with the ASMSC is there's a lot of states without landings in the big state of Florida, which just doesn't view this fish as South Beach enough for them to manage. So in addition to that, there's a lot of really great telemetry work that's been going on. Uh, American Saltwater Guides Association has been funding a huge program with uh, uh, telemetry work, and it's really shown a connected coastwide stock. And what's really interesting is we're seeing these fish return to the same spots every year. They go, we've had, uh, they, they go to Martha's Vineyard and hang out at Cape Cod for several months and they go to Cape Lookout, the same fish every single year. And we've just been getting this data the last couple of years. We're still years away from enough stock assessment work. But just to sit here and not do anything, I think is, again, to use my phrase, you could sit in there on the wrong side of history. But if you're comfortable putting your name to that, that's fine. Commissioner Ryder. So th there are three reasons that I'm actually, I will be voting in support of this motion, assuming it isn't substituted. Um, but and I want to mention them just because it's different than what we've been talking about. Uh, although the first is similar to what Commissioner Roller just mentioned. And that is that, it, well, first of all, as a personal matter, I, I, I've watched the cycle of inadequate science lead to inadequate management lead ultimately to overfishing uh, once the catastrophe is in hand. And so when you have an opportunity to carefully, thoughtfully think through putting in place a framework to be able to achieve that longer-term goal without going through that collapse and hurting a ton of people on the climb back, you're remiss to not consider that. And, and therefore, um, the rule that, that would go out to hearing for consideration for public input for development of the, that information and come back to us for decision would, that would allow us to then decide some of those issues, in, in my view, um, won't, won't by itself will generate some of that. But if we don't do that, if we go with options one or two, then I'll just tell you the science won't be there whenever you get back around to it. I mean, it won't be. The, the, the science budget is overstretched the same way the management budget is overstretched. Well, we're not going to invest in anybody getting that information until it's necessary. It won't be necessary until it's too late. So I personally stand, as every major international body does, for precautionary management. You can come up with a fair and equitable way to put that in place. I don't think we have any of those here in North Carolina. I'm not sure we have any of those on the East Coast. And so in that sense, finding a pilot fishery where people um, would not be hurt to put in place a common sense and science-directed process to come up with, um, with management structures at work and, and through a public interaction process, to me, makes a whole lot of sense. That's number one and three. But let me come back to number two. Uh, I was 
setting myself in um, with a uni big university group in Qingdao in China, and then later on with another university group in Japan. And what each of those groups were doing was lo were looking at the world fisheries productivity with an eye towards finding pockets of the things they most want culturally to go get now and including uh, hundreds of billions of dollars that are being invested in the Belt and Road Initiative in China and similar things in other East Asian countries. I tell you that they've assessed accessing those fish, the small pelagics here and everywhere else. If you think about it, this fish, Atlantic Bonito, are analogous to the highly sought after Western Pacific small tunas that are highly sought after eagerly trawled, eagerly purchased. So what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is we're, we're, we're one small step in the value chain uh, away from things happening very fast. And, and so uh, if we have a chance to think through, as this rule goes forward, in my view, um, how we ought to be building those precautionary ways to think to make the idea of precautionary management real, through a pilot exercise, we ought to do it. And so I'm going to vote in favor of it, even though I recognize we need more information to do a good job of it. And secondly, the scale is, is wrong. Now, this ought to be a coast-wide management mechanism, but we also shouldn't be afraid of kicking them in the tail to go begin that process. So I'll support you, Tom. Okay. Commissioner Roller, let's be getting this wrapped up. So, so I'm going to go to your last comment, kick them in the tail. That's what I'm doing here, and I've made that very, very clear because we've exhausted so many other elements which to manage this fishery. I agree with you. It should be a coast-wide management, but I don't see how we're going to get there without being a leader. I've had a lot of discussions about this. I've been doing it for years. Call it a passion project if you want to. There's a lot of other states that are going to follow us here if we do this, and I'm just afraid if we don't take action, it's just going to be another five years of debate before it's getting up to a body to vote for again, and maybe at that point, we're making aquaculture feed. Okay, I think we've had a lot of good discussion about this. Let's call for the vote. Roll call, please. Commissioner Bethea? Aye. Commissioner Blanton? No. Commissioner Corbett? No. Commissioner Gardner? Nay. Commissioner Huggins? No. Commissioner McNeil? Hey. Yes. Commissioner Rader? Aye. Commissioner Roller? Aye. And Chairman Bizzle. Aye. One, two, three, four. Motion passes five to four. Okay, moving on.